everyone and welcome to another edition of the Mac and Forth Show. My name's Carl Mann and we're here once again to talk about the week's Apple and tech-related news. And blow me down, but we've actually got some Apple news. It's amazing. Who would have thought it? Anyway, joining me this week to discuss WWDC. First up, Don McAllister. How are you, sir? Hello, Carl. I'm very well, thank you. Yes, uh, we've had a, a day or so to uh, sort of try and take it all in. So, uh, yeah, no, it should be a, a good good discussion. Well, let's hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll try my best. <laughs> okay. Also, also joining me once again, my my cohort in in these affairs, Alan Vickers. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm very well as well, Carl. I'm still buzzing actually after the keynote. I've been so excited in anticipation of it, then yeah. during it, and then ever since it, it's happened, I haven't really stopped thinking about it. Apart from thinking about the general election, of course, which I don't suppose we'll talk about. Hopefully not, anyway. <laughs> No, we'll, we'll we'll save that. We'll leave that for another time, <laughs> yeah. just in case. You never know. You can never win these things, so it doesn't matter. Right. Um, been up to anything then in the past week? No, it's been up and totally obsessed with the keynote. Uh, that wasn't an exaggeration. <laughs> I was counting off the hours until it arrived. I sat there dutifully in front of my Apple TV, and I chatted with you and a couple of others, and I on the um, on iMessage, which I hadn't done before actually, and that was quite a, quite a good social thing to do. I enjoyed that. And then afterwards, I've been uh, just trawling Twitter, trawling YouTube, trawling the news feeds, looking for more and more details. Was that trawling mm. or trolling? <laughs> yeah, a bit of both, you know. <laughs> it's annoying, though, isn't it, when uh, it's, it's, I mentioned in the newsletter last week that I send out that it's okay for those in the States because they can just sort of go to bed excited, but then they go up in the morning, have some breakfast, saunter to the TV, plonk themselves down, and then it's on. Whereas mm. over here, we've got the whole working day to get through and, yeah. it's, uh, you know... It's very distracting, and of course, Twitter's ablaze and everything. But uh, you've got you're counting down the the hours and the minutes till it actually starts. It's very, very distracting. Yes. Well, let's ask our friend Siri what she thought of the WWDC, shall we? So let's let's call her up. What did you think of WWDC this year? Developers are an interesting species, human-like, but somehow different. <laughs> well, there you go. She seemed impressed, kind of. I think. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, I had an interesting week as well. On Friday, again, I went to another Relay FM meetup, and I met, um, I met uh, Mike Hurley and um, Federico. <laughs> I can never say your name, <laughs> Federico Vitici. That's the guy. Uh, very pleasant chap indeed. We we was having a bit of a discussion about what Apple was going to do the following Monday, you know, and uh, and he seemed to have nailed it. Everything he came up with virtually on his on his um his video he developed, he seemed to hit all the all the main points. It was it was mm. fantastic. Anyway, wonderful fellas. Uh nice to chat to. And I, I met some other great guys down there as well, interesting guys, Ben and Mike. Um I don't know if they're listening to the show, but you know, when you go to these things you try and push your show a little bit here and there. Mm. But uh, there you go. <clears throat> anyway, so as it's gonna be a long show if we don't crack on, let's get straight to what happened at WWDC. So the first thing out was tvOS. First thing. Now, this wasn't much of an update. At least they didn't share much this time, which makes me think we might have something coming later in the year, but that could be wishful thinking. But the big headline change on uh, tvOS is Amazon Prime's coming to it at last. Yeah, it's good to get the confirmation on it. It's going to be great. It is. I mean, uh, because it was a pain in the but having to have two devices uh, just to play the same content. I mean, oh, it's just, it's, I'm glad they put their little hissy fit aside. 
and and, and we're going to get Amazon streaming on 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 the Apple TV. And who knows? Maybe the Apple TV might go back in the Amazon store now. Mm. It was strange how it was. Uh, I mean, there were six major points, and that was the first one. It was done and dusted in two minutes. I thought, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, let's be finished by half past. <laughs> It was, like, was um, it was like a bit of an advert for Amazon as well, wasn't it? Because Tim Cook was quite effusive about you know the praise for the, for Amazon's content and so on. So you know, I'm sure that was all part of the yeah. terms of the deal yeah. of this new relationship. But it was pretty. Uh, it must be quite a big thing for them, I would think. So that's why they, you know, and they've they've done well to get like the, the first out of the gate prominent positioning in the in the keynote as well. Yeah, that's it. Good. Then we moved on to WatchOS, which wasn't a huge shift in things compared to the last update, but it still had some interesting stuff in there. Uh, for me personally, the, the the first thing was the Siri watch face that we're about to get. So this kind of seemed to me like the the uh, predictive stuff that Google now has mm. on some of their devices, where it, it looks to see what's coming up and it tries to present that information to you. So it's there. So all you have to do is tap on the the watch screen and you go straight into the relevant app. Um, it'll be great if it works, of course. That's the, you know all this machine learning stuff is great, but as long as it delivers, it'll be fine. But it was an interesting idea. Then we got the kaleidoscope faces. Yeah, tumbleweed. That's <laughs> <laughs> weird. Okay, I'm not too sure about why they exist. They look freaky. If you're stoned all your time, all the, you know, all the time, then surely. They'd probably be great. Uh, and then we got Disney, some more Disney characters. Instead of just Mickey and Minnie now, we're getting Jesse, Woody, and Buzz Lightyear as well. And I'm thinking, who who does Apple think they're selling their watch to? <laughs> is, is there a big market for children and Apple watches? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a bit, never bit know. strange. A bit strange. Oh. So there's a lot of spoilt kids around, and there's Christmas coming up, so you never know. And they were quite cute, weren't they, actually? Because they were... Unlike uh, Mickey and Minnie, who, whose arms are, are the, yeah, the, the watch arms, as it were, um, these are just digital watches, aren't they, with a little animation that happens on top. And they, they were quite nice, I thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, there's nothing wrong with them. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a weird choice, that's all. That's yeah. if, it was, if it was Darth Vader and Stormtroopers and Han Solo and stuff, I'd be a different <laughs> tune. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird. That I think Apple are still, uh, they still haven't fully worked out how the watch needs to be operated. I don't want it to watch OS 4 now, but they're still experimenting and seeing, well, you know, they've got s- such a limited um, amount of screen real estate to play with. You know, what's the best way to, to deliver content on the watch and what's the best way to actually um, use the controls on the watch to, you know, to actually drive what you need to drive. And mm-hmm. I, st- I still feel as though they still haven't quite settled down because they've, they've changed it again. They're moving the, the, the desktop's going to be changed so that you, you swipe up now instead of left to, um, sorry, the dock rather than the desktop. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can use the digital crown now to um, move the tiles up and down rather than left to right. So, yeah, ho- hopefully, you know, fourth time lucky they will have nailed it this time and it will be a, a, mm-hmm. should be a lot easier to use. Yeah, that um, that so-called Siri watch face. That, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there was a theme throughout this this keynote and and throughout their uh, literature earlier in the year, where Siri used to be the word associated with the you know the lady's voice, didn't it, or the man's voice? Mm-hmm. It was the voice assistant, and now it's definitely become synonymous with the intelligence, isn't it? Like the proactive intelligence that's built into all Apple devices now. So this is like, um, I know it has got a little Siri symbol in the corner. It's like a little Siri complication, and that's a shortcut to talk to your watch. But that's almost incidental. The, the whole point of that watch is the proactive um, display of information that you probably want to know about right now, as deduced by the Apple um, you know, machine learning engines. And I think that's, that's going to be, we'll see that again and again and again now in, in all devices, Siri used as the, the word to mean the intelligent assistant. Mm. Not I think necessarily it's especially the clever for the watch 
Yeah, I think it's especially clever for the watch as well because it is such a faff to actually, you know, access an app on on your watch. If they can find right. a way of actually being proactive and exposing the information, you know, when you need it without having to do anything, that 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 would be a certainly be a game changer for the for the watch itself. Yeah. Mm. I just hope when the next model comes out, that again, it all comes down to Siri. It seems to me the biggest complaint I hear when it comes to Siri is it doesn't understand enough people. And, and you know, the AirPods kind of fix that with their beamforming mic, and hopefully the new um, HomePod, when we get to that later, seems to have, have that fixed that issue as well. But <clears throat> with the new phones, when they, if they bring out new phones or new iPads, they, they have to find a way of making that microphone more more sensitive, I guess. Um, because that's, that's the biggest drawback. And, and as you said before we started recording, um, Don, you, you use Siri a few times, and if it doesn't understand you, yeah. just forget it, because mm-hmm. it's a waste of time from that point on. Mm. So it's, 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 so if they're going to make it the centralized character or voice or however you want to look at it of their system, which I don't think they're fully committed to just yet, but you can see they're definitely going down that road, mm-hmm. um, they need to figure out an, a, a way of allowing us to address her or him and it understanding us every single time. Because at the moment, even if it gets 90% right, that 10% is still a massive drag factor most of the time. Yeah. Um, we're also getting new activity features, uh, reminders, sorry, to, to help you reach your goals every single day. So it'll tell, if you get near the end of the day, it'll say, go and have a brisk walk for 12 minutes, fatty, <laughs> uh, and, and things like this. So that's good. We get new monthly challenges as well. So, you know, people like me who complete their circles every single month will now get additional challenges to try and, to try and push us even further, um, which is nice. It's uh, good else? as well because, they said, again, they're using their sort of machine learning algorithms to, to watch what you do week to week and month to month previously. And so they'll set you challenges that are slightly tougher than, than previously, but it'll be personalised to you. So everyone's going to get different challenges. It's just clever. I'm just looking forward to doing a 20-mile run and being prompted to jump on the bike and do a 10-mile bike ride, and then I could go straight into my uh, swimming workout. And then after I finish the swimming workout, I can then go and do, you know, some hop, skips, and jumps and things. It's just going to – I'm not really going to do it. I want to pay money. I'll pay real money now to see Don do hop, skipping, and jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, do you do that? Is it such a workout? I don't know, but – but no, it should be. Yeah, I'm very envious of these people who do these intensive workouts, and uh, I'm, I'm glad for them that they can go from one workout to the other. But I'm quite happy with my brisk 30 minute walk every day. Thank you very much. I tell you what, uh, Phil Schiller looks like he's been doing some workouts, doesn't he? Ah, he I looked, didn't know. He looks very trim. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, Will Green will not be able to call him Fatty Phil anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also get some new celebration animations for when you do finally complete these challenges. Uh, there's a new training monitor, I think, for high-intensity uh, interval training, which <laughs> I'm not going to be doing, but okay. Um, now, the one of the most interesting thing for me as well in this, this little series of uh, uh, updates is better syncing for Apple Music playlists and more convenient control of music while you're exercising. Because that was one of, you know, you could have one playlist mm. on your on your watch, and it was a bit of a pain. It wasn't too hard, but it was a bit of a pain to actually sync the music across. And now it's going to be doing it automatically from the sound of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great, isn't it? And also, when you're actually in the exercise app, um, you can get to your music much easier as well. Yeah, so the side swipe. Yeah, that's that's really excellent. It is a fun, uh, well, you can sync a playlist like you say, but you've got to go to iTunes and set it up and mark it as one to sync. Yeah, all that's going to go out the window. Brilliant. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we also get support for native blue, uh, Bluetooth abilities to link with various wireless products. 
such as continuous glucose monitoring. Now, there was that rumor about, because Tim Cook said he was wearing one a few months ago, yeah. that it would get built into the watch. But it looks like they're going for, at the moment anyway, external Bluetooth connectivity for these various devices. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's going to need new hardware, isn't it? I would imagine there'll be a lot more watchOS features um, linked to new hardware when the next watch comes out. So I think this was very much, um, this this keynote, and it was very much just a nod to let people know that, yes, we're still progressing with the watch. But like with iOS, um, there will be more features announced when the, the new phone is announced um, at this time. They don't normally reveal their entire hand on what's going on with iOS. So mm-hmm. the same is true for the watch as well. So we'll, we'll probably see more and possibly some, you know, the, the built-in glucose monitoring in the watch itself in the next hardware release. You never know. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. And one last thing, if you're a gym rat, you can now, if they get new equipment, two-way data exchange between your watch and gym equipment as well, set up via um well, it looked like Apple, but it was like NFC it seemed to be using. So that was good. So if, you, if you've got a new gym, that is. Because yeah. I'm sure all those bikes and cross trainers and whatever they've got in that new campus over there in, in Mountain View, or what, not Mountain View, in, in Cupertino, is, is, we'll have them all. But yeah. my local gym, I doubt it. <laughs> but you never know. You never know. Uh, and we'll go that, get that. And obviously, that's also going to come out in autumn as well. They say fall, but we're British here. Mm-hmm. So autumn. And that was that was pretty much watch OS, and but and that was that still he went through that in about he went through that a lot quicker than we did. <laughs> yeah, this, this this podcast's on schedule for like four hours now. So. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about this. We might have to do a two parter. Uh, uh, then we moved on to the new Mac OS, High Sierra, and I thought he was having a joke. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a punchline, didn't it? And yeah. a pause, and then he would tell us the real name. Exactly, <laughs> he never did. No. I was, I was, I was thinking, come on, come on, t- t- what, what? That's not funny. <laughs> so, but it does look like we. This is going to be another sort of mountain lion um, update or snow leopard, where they're fixing rather than doing massive changes to the whole architecture and everything. They're fixing. It's a minor update because they're going to do stability improvements and refinements and all the stuff that they've got there. So there is some new stuff still under the hood, but. They're basically clearing up all the messes <laughs> that they've been making for the last few years. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing, is it? To We don't really need a, a brand new operating system fully, you know, with, with tons and tons of new features every year. I'm more than happy for them to bring out a new operating system, bed it in, then spend, you know, a year fixing bugs and making it stable. And I think it's a, I think it's a good thing that, they, that they're not changing the, the Mac OS every, every 12 months. Um, we get some extra features, but my, you know, I'm more than happy that they'll go in and uh, stabilize things. That's that's uh, much better as far as I'm concerned. Now, some of those features are we're going to get um, Safari blocking automatic play sites, uh, automatic play on certain websites. Hurrah! Mm. Thank God for that. Uh, and also, they're going to stop websites tracking us. <laughs> I'm sure that will please certain people in the advertising realm. So that'll be interesting if they can pull that off. Uh, photos, we're getting some facial recognition has, uh, is going to be improved and updated on all the people we identify, and then that will be synced across all our devices. Uh, we're also going to get some new editing tools, including curves, color, and syncing with third-party photo editing apps, which all looked rather flash. But then we came to the big one. Now, this is not flashy to anyone who just looks for visual cues on their software and stuff but it still scares the hell out of me. They are going to be switching <laughs> to the Apple file system, APFS, 
Oh my God, they must have some confidence in this thing. Yeah. Well, it's quite a risky thing, but uh, if they do half a good as job as they did with iOS, it should be okay. I know it's a different sort of kettle of fish, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Mm. I mean, we get because it's a, a modern day file system yeah file system we're going to get a lot of benefits from this which again most people will not even know is going on under the hood they might just suddenly see wow i've got a load of space extra space on my my hard disk now for some reason or or things open faster or copy faster or i can i can duplicate faster and things like this so skills still scares the hell out of me (laughs) and there's still no story on on how you're going to be able to then convert your own um usb hard disks as well there must be some utility for you to do that for yourself, uh, I would imagine, afterwards. Oh, yeah, good point. Hmm. And then things yes. like, um, you know, convert your um, uh, time machine backups and things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, it's a whole headache. I'm waiting to see how they introduce this to the world. It scares the hell out of me. Uh, we also Apple is also switching up uh, from H.264 video codec to H.265, which apparently provides 40% better graphics compression across the board. So, again, all those huge files that we download from iTunes... And, and things like this, they're suddenly going to get a lot smaller. Now, I wonder why they would want to try and make video sizes smaller. <laughs> and yes. Mm. <laughs> well, go on, you tell us. <laughs> well, I, I no, I'm assuming because they flew through the Apple TV so fast, up 4K. I oh, reckon yeah. 4K is coming later in the year. Yeah, it must be. And this is one of those warnings that they put out there just to let you know that you know if they because because the 4k file will be huge to download from itunes or stream from itunes mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so, so it's gonna be small but also as well don't forget you've got the the issue of um i mean when you think how much stories they have to provide for icloud for people to back up all mm. the photos and the videos that they create on their iphones uh 40 better graphics compression is going to have a huge impact on people's iclouds accounts yeah yeah so that's that's another you know uh enormous thing they need to uh, to worry about that's it Good stuff. and the other thing is we're going to get metal 2 so uh this will support external graphics with a metal developer kit which you can get now apparently if you're a yeah. developer i saw it on one of the uh, state of the union address uh, and it will support vr app creation apple is working with valve to bring v st- stream sorry steam vr to mac and unreal engine vr is also coming to the mac so i'm not I'm not that bothered by VR, but I've got to say, the, the demonstrations that they showed with with uh, Darth Vader and stuff on, on the planet and the TIE fighters flying, that was, that was quite spectacular. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing, wasn't it? You had to give it a second look and think, what am I watching here? This, mm. this is like unheralded, certainly in the, in the Apple sphere. It was brilliant. Yeah. Especially when she tr- she trod on her own cable for <laughs> yeah. her goggles. Poor yeah. girl. <laughs> I was waiting to hear the crash of them pulling the two iMacs off the table because that's what I'm always scared of. Yes. But, it, I mean, it was embarrassing for Apple. They, they had to do something because, um, you know, all the current VR platforms c- can't run on the Mac, basically. The current versions of the Mac are... Um, uh, are not powerful enough, so I know we're coming on to the the new Macs later, but they they had to do something to uh, to enable content creators to actually start creating some content on the Mac platform. So yeah, they're, they're quite late to the game, but at least now they're there, and um, yeah, you know, hopefully we should uh, reap the benefits of that. I suppose it's still debatable as to how many Mac current day Macs will be able to run these these apps, but at least they get into the state now where the pro developers can create them on Macs, which yeah. is step one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely aimed at the the this the, the IMAX they announced basically at this event. Mm. So I don't, I'm not sure it's going to work too too well in the old ones. And case in point, in fact, this they've said 
they said in the, again, State of the Union address, that this is the last year Mac OS is going to support 32-bit. Mm. So come next year, from January 2018, no new apps will be allowed that are not 64-bit. And come June next year, all apps and all updates must be 64-bit. Yeah. So they're definitely moving on. <laughs> definitely. That bit you so, mentioned uh, in the about the photos app um and how things like the uh the facial analysis and things like that are now synced. That that's big, isn't it? That's massive. Mm-hmm. Considering that the stance Apple's been taking about doing everything on device and not sharing it. They've obviously cracked that now, so they're still doing it on device. But whichever device does it first now is gonna be able to securely share it across all your other devices, as, as it turns out. So that's going to make those features useful again. Because I must admit, all this year, I've not really been motivated to do any sort of metadata messing around on, on my Macs or my iOS devices, because you've got to do it the same again on every device, haven't you? As this will mean that's a thing of the past again. That's it. That's it. It'll be good, It'll be good all that deep learning stuff. And, of course, to, to run this new OS, basically anything that runs Sierra can run high Sierra. So that's good. Yeah. Right, well, then we come on to the crown, so to speak. iOS 11 was the next one up. Oh, my God, there's a lot in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just moved my page. I can't even see what I'm looking at now. Right, here we go. Okay, so the first thing up, messages. Now, they're very proud of their messaging application now. So the first thing up is apps and stickers are more accessible due to an app drawer at the bottom of the screen. Um, it's not a big deal because it wasn't that hard to find your your stickers and whatnot before. It was just a bit of a kludge, and it felt, and now this is, seems much more streamlined. The next thing, however, I think is fantastic. And I you know, I, I just assumed this was happening anyway until I actually thought about it. And, of course, no, it doesn't. Mm. Of course it doesn't. And now messages will be synced across all your devices. So if you delete a message of one device, it will sync across to your Mac, your iPad, you know, yeah. from your phone to your watch. To, well, the watch does it anyway. But, uh, yeah, so you... you will no longer have to worry about deleting all these messages on all the different devices. And it will also start to offload the messages as they get older and stick them in the cloud as well. So they're not taking up space on your device. Mm. And all with end-to-end encryption at the moment. (laughs) Well, it's legal to do that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, dear. Uh, Then they moved on to Apple Pay. Biggest thing about Apple Pay was person-to-person payments using messages, which is a fantastic (laughs) lock-in for messages, I believe, I think, as well. But unfortunately, in the small print at the very bottom of the flipping page, it says person-to-person payments on Apple Pay Cash are available only in the US on iPhone SE, iPhone 6, later iPad Pro, iPad iPad Air 2, iPad Mini 3, and later an Apple Watch. So initially, at least... It's only going to be in the States. Yeah. Damn. Well, got to give them a chance to, to roll it out. We, we get very blasé about, uh, you know, with, with using Apple products because we're quite used now. Like, for instance, I know we're going to come on to it later, but, like, the HomePod's going to be the US, UK, and somewhere else. So you get quite blasé about, oh, they'll just roll it out throughout the world. But <laughs> it's, it must be quite a difficult thing to do. And especially oh, I, I, financial thing as well. I, I might cut yeah. the slack on this one. This is the start of Apple becoming a bank, in effect. Because they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be handling your money and letting you store it on on their virtual cash cards. Um, so, I mean, like you say, financial legislation is different in every market and every country. So, there's going to be an awful lot of negotiation to be done to get it to be accepted in, in other countries, and there'll be a gradual rollout of that. But this is Apple definitely becoming a bank. Because if I was to, you know, send twenty pounds to Don or whatever, assuming we were in America, dollars, say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes into this virtual account, doesn't it, on a virtual card that's branded with Apple. And Don can leave it there. You could transfer it out somewhere else, 
but they probably wouldn't. They'd probably just leave it there, spend it in the Apple store later or buy, you know, buy an app with it or whatever, or send it on to someone else. So Apple's going to be collecting millions upon millions of virtual pounds or dollars in, into this what's effectively a bank. Mm. This is real. interesting. All right, go on. I was going to say, this is a real sleeper one, I think. This is going to be, become huge. Well, it's like Apple Pay itself is a huge sleeper. Yeah. Every, every single transaction you make with Apple Pay, Apple gets a tiny, tiny percentage of it. And the more people adopt it, the more banks adopt it, and the more retailers adopt it, they're getting more and more money constantly coming in for this service that they provide. Yeah. And I, I have no doubts eventually it will roll out to other countries. It's just, you know, it's, it's like, like you say, we get, used to, we get used to these things being global from Apple, not like other companies where they go, and this will be available in the US only and rolling out later. And then we never see it. <laughs> Yeah. There was another That's nice a- little bit of intelligence they showed, wasn't there, as well, where if somebody sends you a text message saying, oh, don't forget you owe me 20 quid for that that uh, restaurant meal or something, that, and then you hit the the Apple Pay app, it would intelligently put the payment as £20 because that's what you mentioned in the text message and little little bits of intelligence like that to make everything quicker to use. That's it. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good when we get it in the UK. Mm. I'm sure we'll hear about it from our U- US cousins. <laughs> uh, we moved on to Siri. Siri's getting a new voice, apparently. It, sound, it sounded quite clear and stuff. I'm waiting to hear what the British version of that will be if they change it because I think, I think our one sounds okay already. Let's yeah. just... How are you doing, Siri? I'm as happy as Finder. Actually, no, no one's as happy as Finder. I've no idea what that means. <laughs> oh, it's that smiley face in the Finder icon, isn't it? Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, we're getting, what's this, new translation option. So this is a step towards a universal translator, as far as I can see. Initially limited to English, to Chinese, French, German, Italian, and Spanish, with more language coming on in the next few months. So this is where you can speak a phrase into it, and ask Siri to translate that, and it will speak it out to the person that you're trying to communicate with, which is very it's clever wonderful. stuff. It's like the Babelfish, mm-hmm. isn't it? AirPods, yeah. AirPods and translation, we've got it. Just <laughs> but in the in the first beta, it just repeats what you've said a bit louder and a bit slower. <laughs> with an accent. <laughs> yeah. Where Where's the pup? No, the pup-ub. Pup-ub. Pup drink. Pub. That's it. That's all it does. <laughs> Uh, reports are uh, uh, appearing as well to say that under the accessibility options, there is a, a there is the ability to type into Siri questions, uh, queries, and things like that. So that'll be interesting as well. And although we're not getting a dark mode, some people are saying that the one of the accessibility options uh, inverse screen is looking very close to being a dark a dark version. Mm-hmm. So that could that could be useful as well, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, then they move on to the camera. Apple, sorry, Apple is introducing HEVC instead of uh, replace to replace the JPEG, and apparently this is going to add two times better compression uh, with the same quality. So again, that'll be fantastic for saving space not only on on your device but in the cloud as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, that's the one for video. Sorry, the one for for JPEGs is HEIF. Uh, that's what's going to be reducing the uh, jpeg ones and the good thing is it's going to be intelligent about it as well so if you want to share the same picture out to someone else who can't access heif it will convert it to a jpeg and it will send that to them yeah which is nice uh other updates we're going to get uh low light photographies will improve uh due to improve image quality thanks to the stabilization of the camera uh better true tone flash uh, and hdr we also could get something called a depth api which looks very interesting as well because the way when you do the the portrait mode at the moment and it works out through software <clears throat> and hardware 
what it is you're trying to focus on, they're now going to expose that to developers. And so developers can start pulling out, say, the, the figure at the front of the shot and then replace everything behind them with some comical effect or, or whatever. So, yeah. so things like Snapchat and God knows what else will be able to do some fun stuff with that. That's, um, it's worth watching the State of the Nation video, which is freely available on the WWDC app, because they, they show some examples of that. Do you see that, Carl, where they showed exactly what you described? They show you the actual depth map, like the shades of grey thing with a dark person in the front, a slightly lighter person midway back, and a few telegraph poles and other things. And, um, yeah, they replace the background with all sorts of stuff. Maybe they blur it, maybe they replace it completely, or, yeah, or made, make it monochrome while the front stays colour, all that sort of stuff. Uh, every developer will be able to take advantage of all of that. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do love our photo apps. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, as well as these fancy new formats that we're going to take ages to learn the names of, HEIF, HEVC, whatever it is, the one thing that wasn't mentioned but came to light later is that they now properly support um, GIF, GIFs or GIFs, in, in the in, in the proper way, including animated ones, which has oh. been missing for so long, hasn't it? It's so irritating. You see a great animated GIF on Twitter or something. You can't save it to your camera roll currently because it doesn't know about GIFs. Well, it does now, so that's good. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, another update to photos. Uh, we can now watch memories in portrait, and it will have intelligent framing as well. So, you know, everybody hates people who film stuff in, in, in the vertical position, but now it's going to encourage even more people to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, light photos can now be trimmed, muted, looped, rewound, and so much more. Uh, you can also select a specific keys frame you want to display uh, just in case you screw it up when you're taking a shot. So I don't really use live photos that much, I've got to say, because they never look that good for me. Oh, I, li- just... I leave it on by default, and it's occasion- you know, occasionally you get a surprise, so they're nice occasionally. Okay, cool. Um, what else we got? Redesigned control center. So instead of all th- across three screens at the bottom of each you know screen now, we're getting them all compacted, and you can swap out various ones as well. And there seem to be a nice selection of alternative applications or, or services that you can put on, on the control center. Yeah, it looked, it looked lovely, didn't it? I think I like that that whole sort of nice gray. Yeah, it's quite, quite neat how they've, they've done it. It's also customizable now as well, so that you can you can select which things you want to appear in control center. Um, can't change the layout at, at the beta, but uh, you can actually add things and take things away if you don't want them in there, which is quite good. Yeah. Do you do you um, partake of the developer beta, by the way, Don? I do indeed. Ah, I, so uh, have you got it installed then? I've got it sat in front of me. <laughs> in fact, Yo, I've just, excellent, I've just excellent. switched on the um, – I wasn't aware of the smart invert which for the dark display. Uh, that's why I went quiet a few minutes ago. I've actually just found <laughs> it and switched it on, and it, it actually looks really, really good. It is like a – it's like a – it's not the, the classic invert where everything goes really weird and mushy and purple and stuff. Um, it actually gives you a black background and everything is, is – properly presented in white on top of it so it looks really nice so that's cool then we moved on to maps so maps are now going to get maps of malls and airports now um i'm wondering how this is going to work actually because normally once i go inside a place the GP, the, the, you know, the, the the gps stuff has no clue where i am it just goes oh you're there somewhere i don't know <laughs> so i'm not sure how that's going to work but okay i would presume uh, they're got- going to start using beacon technology as well i mean i think it will be built into maps but i think we'll see more and more of the next and with the augmented reality stuff as well which is going to play into this which we'll come on to later that you know you'll 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 have apps now that will use local beacons but also overlay routes you know through your camera and stuff like that i think it's mm. it's going to be quite exciting what happens with maps and mapping and uh augmented reality over the next 12 to 18 months yeah mm. 
Sure, we shall see. And the other thing we're going to get in maps is lap is lane guidance and the speed of where or what road we're driving on, which will be a tremendous help for me, <clears throat> Johnny Leadfoot here. <laughs> <laughs> the lane guidance is handy. I've seen that in in other apps and other Jeep, uh, 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 what you call them, um, sat navs. Yeah, that is really handy. Yeah, I like the, um, the the speed thing is very very useful actually. In fact, it's always fascinating when you bomb me down a road. And then you'll see a sign coming up where the speed changes and you look at your GPS and it it actually switches the second you go past that sign. And mm. It fascinates me how they managed to do that. And that's something I, I've still got the TomTom Maps application. I've been using Apple Maps more and more, but I do miss the, the speed indicator in Apple Maps when I'm using that. So that would be, uh, that'd be nice to have that in there. Um, I'd just give up TomTom. <laughs> uh, what else we get? Speaking of driving, we're going to get Do Not Disturb While Driving. My boss is going to love this one. So this feature will recognize your speed and, if enabled, will prevent notifications coming through to you on your lock screen and distracting you. It'll just be a blank screen. Uh, it can automatically send... Uh, sorry, you can automatically send messages out to people with a generic message if they do text you, just so they know, they know you're not ignoring them. They can see that you're driving or something and you'll get back to them uh, when you reach your destination. Or, for certain people, you can okay them. And if they send urgent as a reply, it will then push the previous message they sent through to them, through to you, I should say. So, so that's good. So it'll be up to you if you want to put who you want to put on your urgent list, I guess. Yeah. But if there's like four people in your cars, only one driving, the other three are going to have to turn this off, aren't they? They're all going to get a prompt saying, oh, do you want me to go into this mode? And all three are going to have to go, no, I don't. I'm a passenger. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, like, like you demonstrated, it goes, yeah, you just say you're a passenger. Actually, Waze does a similar thing. If you're trying to start pu- punching a postcode while you're driving, it'll go, are you a passenger? Yeah. <laughs> and you say, yeah, of course I am. <clears throat> will, it be, anyway. will you be prompted every journey or is it like a the first time and then it's it just switches it on every time you're using it i'm not sure how they're gonna i, th- I think if it detects because certain bluetooth when it detects certain bluetooth now it knows you're in a car and then it'll bring it on straight away if you haven't got that function once you start driving the next i think he said the next time you start driving because it's going to use the um the the the, the network stuff the ssids of, of various uh, places you pass uh, on wi-fi and stuff it'll tell it'll know you're going at such a rate that you must not be walking or running or stuff so mm. it'll it'll pull up the the, the screen to ask you but uh, we'll see uh home kit airplay 2 is going to come and support home kit and we're going to get airplay speakers that we can control from our home app apparently they're going to need an update though so mm-hmm. there's a bit concerned that some of the old like uh, airport extremes and expresses no the express isn't it yeah will, might not might not be upgraded but i don't understand why who knows i don't know yeah i hope they do i've got uh, two of those in action and, and another one in a box which i could use at some point so i really want a firmware update to those mm. for this multi- multi-room uh, audio i mean it sounds good airplay too doesn't it yeah unless they're going to bring out new <laughs> new airport stuff who knows mm. later in the year uh apple music all my friends are going to love this one <laughs> the ability to see what i am listening to <laughs> You're gonna love it. Uh, yes. So that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, then we moved on to the App Store. It looks like the App Store is going to get a complete redesign based on very similar looks to Apple Music. Actually, hmm. uh, there's going to be a whole new tab called Today. It's got to be located near the bottom of the screen, and it's going to feature new apps every day and little stories about developers and and you know the the people who create the apps and and and, and, and focus on specific apps and stuff like this. Uh, we're going to have specific tabs for games and applications now. They're not going to be all mixed in together. 
developers are going to be happy because apparently there's going to be an even faster app review times uh, kicking off soon. And they're going to be able to do phase development release. Uh, so I guess that means if, if some of these companies, if they've got a service that relies on other architecture somewhere else, rather than releasing their app and they get, you get, they get a massive spike on day one, they'll be able to phase in the release of the, the, the release of their app. And so their servers hopefully don't crash on the first day. A bit like, um, Pokemon did when it was first initially yeah. released. Dean's going to look into this for us at some of the other sessions to find out how it might work because it's hard to know how they might phase out the the deployment of an app like that because it's not it can't be just by country or region or territory because you can already do that anyway when you publish your app you can say which regions you want it to be in so if they, if it's generally saying I only want twenty percent of users to have it in the first week and then fifty percent in the next month or whatever uh, how are they going to organise that so will, will it only appear in some people's app store? Maybe tokens. I don't know. It's, you've got like say a thousand tokens, and then once uh-huh. they're gone, it vanishes. I I'm, not, I'm, I'm guessing. By the way, I've got no clue. But uh, I wonder if you could <laughs> target one person. Everybody on the planet can have my app, apart from them. <laughs> <laughs> Be interesting, wouldn't it? And then we moved on to AR. AR. We all know Tim Cook has said time and time again he's very interested in AR, and and my God, they they're starting to show it here. So Apple will, has introduced AR Kit and a new set of APIs for iOS 11. So the camera on the phone and the iPad can identify surfaces now and digitally add objects to them. Uh, and they they showed well one was a very simplistic demonstration, but was still effective where they just added a cup to a table, a lamp and stuff, and it had all the shading, all the lighting taken into effect and it looked it looked lovely. But then they kind of showed a game. Well it's like a rolling demo to me. I didn't actually see the guy playing it. He's just holding his pad up. Mm-hmm. But still it looked flipping impressive. It looked like like the HoloLens that we'd seen a couple of years ago from from yeah. Microsoft without having have the thing on your head. Yeah. Um but yeah, it looked good and it, it just looks stable. And and again, if you watch the you know, State of the Union uh presentation, they, they went into that quite in depth about how how developers are gonna take advantage of this. Yeah. And how and the code that they're gonna to have to use. And it didn't seem they didn't seem to be complicated. Way over my head, granted, but they didn't seem they were clapping along and saying, Oh, yeah, it's really good. There's lots of nodding heads in the crowd and stuff and smiles. Um so it looks like something they're really going to start pushing. Yeah, old, um, Tim Cook had a massive dig at the likes of Microsoft and other competitors, didn't he, at the, at the start of this section? Because he said something like, or was it Phil Schiller? I can't remember. But they said, um, you, you might have seen a lot of vision videos <laughs> sort of yes. showing some of this stuff. But we're going to show you a real live demo of something that's actually real. It was I brilliant. The other point, though, is that, you know, with all these other other VR and, and AR things that people are talking about, you have to go out and buy a new kit, whereas this is actually going to run on the iPhone, which is one of the yeah. most popular devices out there. So there's literally hundreds of millions. As soon as they release it, you know, it's available for hundreds of millions of devices, which is going to be um, pretty something, really. And also, I think they've been very, not very clever, but because this is the developers' conference and they're launching AR kit to developers, they're sort of... Just feeding them enough to give them an idea of what's capable of. I'm sure developers understand you know, the whole concept behind it. But I, th- I thought it was very noticeable that they didn't come out with their own native applications using AR. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think they will. I'm sure they've got 
you know, two or three stunning apps already developed or in development that they'll release with the next version of the iPhone. But for this being WWDC, they, they could have gone, you know, uh, and really done a very, very, very impressive demonstration with a with a final app. But no, they decided not to. They sort of pulled back. This is AR kit. This is what it's capable of. Now, developers, you know, you've got two or three months before the new phone comes out, go away and do what you want. And then when the new phone does come out, I'm sure we'll see some native apps from Apple that take full advantage of, of AR kit. Yeah. And they've given that sample app to all the developers, all the source code to show how simple mm-hmm. it is um, to use. It's true that I mean, because like you say, the the clue is in the title. <laughs> it's for developers, but you still see. I saw a lot of people writing online and and blogs and stuff like this who seem to miss the point of what this conference is about. They're thinking it's it's aimed at the general public, and I'm sure because Apple knows that the general a great section of the Apple general public at least has an interest. They tune in to see what's going on, but. You know, it's not, they're not the primary audience. It's the developers, as you say. It's, it's showing them all the stuff under the surface that they're, they're going to get excited about to produce some fantastic apps that we're going to love later in the year. Uh, but, you know, reading some of the things online that I've seen, it's like dull, boring, nothing's changed here. This, this looks the same as it's look. Forget, what are you people on? Have you not been paying attention? And, and, and these people, and sometimes, I mean, they're obviously guest writers for various magazines because, you know, the, sorry, websites, because they've obviously got to fill the space and get the advertising dollars. But you, you still look at me and think, you're an idiot. I'm never following anything you say ever again because you're just talking nonsense. Anyway, that's, that's a side issue. That goes on every year. Um, that game demo, though, was incredibly impressive on it. The, the, whole, the whole thing where it, he waved his iPad in front of the table, it detected the table, and then the game, the game surface rolled itself out like a carpet, didn't it? It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And on, all these complex buildings grew out, and behind you could see the crowd sitting and watching, and you could see his partner, um, the other presenter, in the, in the backdrop. It was just as if that, ta- that game was on the table. In, in physical form. It was, it was just so brilliant. Do you remember about, I don't know, four years ago when the very first example of this, you, there was an app where you could print out a little barcode and, and scan it in with your camera. Or, or no, you'd lay it on a table, lay the barcode after you'd printed it on a table, point your phone at this barcode and it would detect it and then it would show you things like NASA spacecraft. You could see Voyager, right. Voyager 2 and you could move around it. Well, <laughs> that, that required such a complicated, dedicated, printed little barcode, didn't it? And such a controlled... Um, environment for such little result and look how far we've come that I mean that table had a couple of ipads on it and a pencil on it and all sorts of stuff it ignored all that it said oh there's a big table i'll roll my game out on it now, is, is it called state of the union the address don yes know? yeah the developers right. yeah so so on that they had they had lego come out and do a presentation yeah which which was just amazing because they they stuck little lego um, models like um, Arkham Asylum from Batman onto the table. They added they added very like a bank or something. They added the Batmobile. They split the Batmobile apart just like they did in the demonstration that it, they showed on video and stuff. And, and little Batman standing there looking around, going, "What's happened to my car?" <laughs> anyway, but and then they put it all together and the car's zooming around and then eventually it jumps off the table and with a big explosion and stuff. And that he said that's coming out from Lego later this year and all all they did is they went to a table and he just he just it, it's exactly the same as what they did when they showed off hologram hololens sorry where they basically looked at a table but they were using minecraft um because they own minecraft but um 
but just just this little th- you could see the possibilities instantly for having so much fun if i you know when i was young i played dungeons and dragons right? i could just imagine if someone comes up with a dungeons and dragons uh, application or shadow run application to do role playing on this thing so you could all see you could all like map out the maps of the street scenes or, or the dungeons and stuff oh uh, just the possibilities <laughs> were endless yeah it was amazing oh dear well then we come on to I think you was excited about this the most. <laughs> so you've been waiting for it for a long time. iOS for dedicated iPad stuff. And oh boy, there was a lot. Yeah, certainly. Oh was. boy, there was a lot. So let's start off. So firstly, we're going to get if on iPad. Now, this is not all iPads because some of them are not powerful enough to run all of these features. Uh, and I'm not quite sure. I think devices with less than four gig of RAM are going to struggle with some of the split view stuff and slide over options. But anyway... So it started off with the docks, and now, just like the Mac, we're going to get a dock along the bottom screen. I believe it can hold 10 applications in there. I'm not 100% sure about that at the moment. It's more, I think. Is it? Yeah. Oh, dear. God. Well, let wow. Me, let me count them up. Hang on. I'll just add a few more in. Let me count the apps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did hear it was 13, actually, I think. Oh, well, I think it's 10 that oh, you can nest plus there. Three. And three, three. The, the last ones you used. Mm. Uh, so we're also going to get new space-style app switcher. So you can sort of explode the screen, come out the screen, and you'll see all your various, not desktops as it used to, would be on the Mac, but you can see all your various iPad apps running in the background there and just swipe across from each one to, you know, have whatever one you want to go into. But the biggest thing, probably, drag and drop files, picks URL, URLs and text and more complex objects, it says, uh, to other apps. And it looks it looked fantastic. It just holds your finger lightly on the screen. It, it acknowledges that you're picking that app up. And as you, if you want to include more at that point, just move it a little bit, tap all the other things that you want to move along with it, just drag them across to either the other screen or down to the applications on your dock. And then they open up there. Or it opens up the application and then you drop them in there. Yeah, this is ge- I mean, genius, isn't it? It's re- really brilliant. It's, it's the one thing that's always been really frustrating about the iPad is how you, you can do share sheets and we've been getting by with them or we've been copying or, and, and things like this. But this is such a game changer for the way you move about information from one app to the other. But it yeah. seems to be quite a, a sea change for them as well because they've resisted doing anything like this for so long. And, you know, it, it must be internal to Apple that said, look, we've, we've tried it this way. Um, we've tried to control the environment and keep it simple, but, you know, it's, it's causing them a problem because pro users... Uh, uh, hitting all this friction um it's okay i I think that the standard ipad is okay for for probably the majority of people but the you know the people who really want to use it and and get lots of productivity from it you know you you do hit barriers so so often using the standard ipad uh, or the current version of ios that they just had to do something to to remove all this friction and i I think they've done a cracking job in in actually doing that they've it's sort of you know, it, they, they seem to have taken some of the best bits from, from the Mac and, and now added it into the iPad so that yeah. it's a lot more fluid. You can do a lot more. Uh, and it, it makes it easier to use as well. It's, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just, I think they've knocked it out of the park with this one. I think that's the, the main point, Don. I think, I think even for, for non-pro users, just everyday iPad users, it's now easier than it ever was because I used to, I keep trying to explain to my mum and dad how to switch apps quickly using like a four-finger swipe up or even a double a double tap on the home button and they keep forgetting. They, yeah, they'll yeah. hit the home button once, they'll go back to the home screen, they'll find the second app, go back to that. And now 
just with a single finger swiping up from the bottom, which used to bring up um, control centre, now brings up the dock. And and it does it everywhere. That's the big power. So even if you're in an app, that's a reserved gesture now. Everywhere on the iPad, wherever you are, single swipe up with your finger, up will come the dock. And if you carry on um, swiping up your finger, or if you swipe a second time while the dock is up, then you get the control centre tucked away on the right and this massive new spaces area where you've got all the previous apps you might want to hop to that you've used, but also, crucially for us, the likes of us, is um, you've got your app pairings. If you've been using multitasking side-by-side, side, there'll be a space there with, with that configuration. I use, for example, um, uh, Scrivener and uh, Safari as a pair a lot. That'll be it. That'll be there as a space, just with a single tap, I can launch it. It's brilliant, really well done. So ordinary users don't see any of that if they don't want to, but they've now, they can get the dock now whenever they want with a single little swipe up. Yes, it's going to add an interesting dimension to, to working on an iPad. And I mean working on an iPad rather than just consuming. So yeah. That would be quite interesting. And, of course, we're also going to get new Files app as well, uh, which is going to bring all your files, no matter what surface they're on, it seems to me, including, for obviously, third-party services, into one place. And now you'll be able to drag the various files from from out of there, from into apps or into other services uh, and all kinds of things like this. I mean... It's it's not quite Finder for the iPad, but it's it's pretty close, and it's it's great for sharing information around mm. from all the various other applications and file systems that you might have access to. Yeah, you know when you are dragging and dropping as well, it's like they've, they've taken multi-touch to another level now. Because mm-hmm. if you if you have paused long enough to drag an object, and maybe you've collected some other objects, they're all under your finger. But with your other hand or or your other fingers, if you're dexterous enough, you can just do. Everything that you could normally do on the iPad at the same time underneath, you can bring up the dock, you can launch another app, you can go to spaces, pick another space, swipe here, there and everywhere until you've found the target you want to drop on and then just drop it on. It's like everything pauses under your finger. The thing you've got copied is held under your finger while you use your other fingers to go where, where the hell you want. It's really well got- done. I go end up dropping my iPad here, and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's one of the problems, isn't it? If you use your iPad in awkward positions, like on your lap maybe, or even in laptop mode with a keyboard under it, I expect it's a bit harder to to use than if it's in you know traditional hold. Yeah, I, I, it did look a bit um, strange on some of the demonstrations at the keynote where it was obviously on the desk. So the, I think it was the lady who was demonstrating. So she could use two hands to do it. And you think, well, there's no way you can do that while actually holding it. But again, you know, drag and drop, you can use a single finger to just do standard drag and drops or, or two fingers if necessarily. I think we'll see, um, you know, lots of... Uh, uh, of, of new dexterous fingers sort of getting into uh, all sorts of different configurations when you try and do three <laughs> things at once with a single hand. You know, it's going to be uh, yeah. weird. If you go on YouTube, you can see some of the people who got into the press area and you can see some of the people demoing. They're having a kind of a tricky time. Well, it's you can tell it's still new to them mm-hmm. how they're doing it and they haven't worked out a way quite of how to do it comfortably yet. But as you say, if it's on the desk, it's a doddle. If it's somewhere secure, it's a doddle. If you're just holding it, I think, you know, it might be an issue. If you do want to do more than one anyway. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. We'll get used to it. It is nice, though, that, um, you know, normally sharing was under share sheets and stuff. We'd have to tap and open and scroll and tap. And, yeah, it's Mm. a nightmare. But with with the touch, uh, with a touch interface, uh, tapping and holding and dragging is so natural. Um, I'm surprised they didn't really do it sooner, to be honest. And the old method is still there. I don't think they're getting rid of the old method. You can still go back to share sheets if you wish. Yeah, but who who likes using share sheets? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you've got an Apple Pencil, you're going to get some, yeah, be able to create some inline drawings as well uh, and if you've got if you do handwritten notes as well it means the ipad can now search for those notes as well as long as they're in english or chinese at the moment 
Um, so you can be able to find anything you've written in a note. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the screen's locked as well, you'll be able to tap it with an Apple Pencil and it will go straight to a note screen. So you can start writing and, and drawing and, and whatever else you want well, to do. Clever. Straight away. I missed that one. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. That's why you come on this show, though, Don, to learn a little bit. <laughs> it's like with photos, you know, when you invoke the camera, even though your yes. device is locked, and you get into this private little um, ring-fenced photos area where you can't see the rest of your photos, but you can make new ones. It's like that. You can create new notes. You can edit the last note you're in, I think, as well. But all your other stuff is out, out of bounds still because your device is still locked. Ah, okay. And don't forget the uh, the screenshot thing, Carl. Mm. That's that's a fantastic uh, new utility. Take a screenshot, appears as as a thumbnail. You can annotate it, and then once you've annotated it, perhaps perhaps show someone. If you close it down, it disappears, or you can save it to your camera roll for for later use. Very, very yeah, you clever. get the option of saving it, not automatically. Yeah. So you don't clog up your, your photos. Yeah. Whenever they show photos, whenever they do a photos demo, I always think, my photo album don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know some beautiful people, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> some beautiful places and some beautiful people. And I'm thinking, mine's all flipping screenshots and, and, and I don't know, pictures of the parking <laughs> yeah. number where I put my you know van or whatnot. Oh, I don't know. That's a, that reminds me of another thing they've implemented in iOS, which is this, um, it's effectively the save as, P, uh, save as PDF option is now everywhere. So virtually anything you look at, any object, any file you're working on can be saved as a PDF. When you used to be a right old faff in the old days to go through the print dialogue and do a, do a pinch or a long press, and now it's just an option. And once you've got a PDF, you can mark it up using markup, which is available virtually everywhere as well. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. And there's a ton of other options as well or other uh, uh things that they're building and they just appeared in that little flash card that appears on the dem- <laughs> on, on, the, on the stage and it's gone it's gone instantly uh like we got there's nfc reader mode for example um there's there's all one-handed keyboard a wi-fi password sharing which looks really good so if you go to a friend's house and they've got ios 11 they can share they'll get you'll get a little pop-up thing like you do when you open your airpods and you'll be able to share the information of the password for the wi-fi without having to type in some terrible phrase or anything automatic setups and and, and there's just a ton of stuff coming and this is why i can't understand anyone that says oh it's boring they're insane (laughs) anyway so that was pretty much all of the software that was announced like i say well when i say all of it there's still a ton more that we've not even scratched the surface of but the developers currently this moment are digging in and finding all kinds of things it's very exciting but then the moment came (laughs) that alan has been waiting for but I don't know. For as long as I've known him, I think. <laughs> I'll just go quiet at this point. And, let you... <laughs> and I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Alan, because I think you, you, you've been waiting for this for so long when Apple announced... Yes, the iPad Pro 10.5, the unicorn iPad Pro. Brilliant. Yeah, but there's a twist in the tail, though. But yeah, let's go through the facts first of all. So they announced the, the 10.5, the new 10.5-inch iPad Pro. And as we sort of guessed last week, it, it has replaced the 9.7. It's not a new one inserted into the into the line. It's replaced the 9.7 iPad Pro. It doesn't exist anymore, not for sale anymore. It's a tiny bit larger than the old 9.7, but only 0.4 of an inch in the taller dimension and 0.2 inches wider, so hardly any difference at all, really. Nice. It, they've got this bigger screen by reducing the bezels, as we expected. They're about 40% smaller than they used to be. And it still weighs identically to the 9.7, so it's still about a pound. And uh, for a big iPad Pro users, the 12.9 is now at parity. Because the, the old 9.7 iPad Pro was the better one in terms of specs, wasn't it? It came out a, yeah. bit, a bit later and it had better screen and all sorts of stuff. Well, the iPad 
12.9 is now the same. It's got all the latest specs. So they they differ only really in the screen size, and then crucially to me anyway, the um, the screen resolution is different as well, which we'll get to in a minute. So they've both got this new uh, A10X Fusion chip, which is fully 64-bit, so hence why they're deprecating all the 32-bit apps, and they've been warning us about that for, for about a year now, haven't they? But this A10X is quite a beast. It's got six cores in the uh, CPU, three performance cores for when you're doing really sort of stressful stuff and you want to do it quickly, and it's got three efficiency cores for when you're just doing emails and things like that, where it'll save battery and um, and you know, give you a lot longer battery life, basically. And the GPU has got 12 cores. This is like, what, a, what a beast of a machine. It, it's just amazing. It's crazy, the, yeah. the fastest iPad they've ever made, you know, by a mile, really. It, it, actually, when you buy, combine it all together, it's they reckon it's 30% faster than the old um, 9.7 was and 40% faster GPU performance. And they were already the industry yeah, was, leading... They were fast already. They were. In many ways, they were faster than any available software, weren't they? There was no software really taxing them yet. So they're keeping ahead on the hardware front, basically. Um, The other good news is that, I mean, the price points remained roughly the same, just about the same, but they've upped the memory as well. So that the base, the smallest one you can buy now is a 64 gig one. And after that, it leaps up to 256 gig. And then there's now a 512 gigabyte as well across both models. So all the memories there has been doubled for the money you're going to pay. And um, they were saying that one of the main reasons, the motivations for the 10.5-inch screen was that when you're using it in landscape mode, which a lot of pro users do, it it now allows a completely full-size on-screen keyboard. So for touch typists, it's the perfect keyboard size. And also when you attach a smart keyboard, that that too is now full-size, full-width, basically. Um, Still moan. Hasn't got enough travel, has it, on that on-screen keyboard? (laughs) (laughs) But um, the... um, the new on-screen keyboard, by the way, it's got this new, um, really nice handy mode, really, where you get the main characters shown in a dark font, but just above them in pale grey, you see the shifted characters, like the numbers and the punctuation marks and all that, and you can use those without having to switch modes on the keyboard. So if I if I was to hit, like, the 5 key, I'd get a 5, but if I stroked down on the 5 key, I'd get a percent without having to change keyboard modes, and that's going to be dead handy, I think. Yeah, you can try that you something- on, uh, on Numbers. Um, yeah, Numbers keyboard's got that built in, so it's 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 very nifty, actually, when you actually start using it. Once you get used to it, it's very, very easy to use. Yeah. I mean, even now- with the old uh, on-screen keyboards, there, there were certain keys you could do that with, like you could flick up on uh, the comma key and get uh, an apostrophe, for example. Not apostrophe, yeah, a single quote. But it was fiddly, and it was an upwards quick swipe. It had to be quick. So this is going to be a lot better, I think. Now, now get to the bit, Alan. That's yeah. You this is what's put me in a quandary because I had the I had the Apple Store open, credit card ready, everything, <laughs> and this bit just knocked me for six. It was really bad because I notice if you go back and listen to previous weeks, I've always been saying I want the ten point five iPad Pro, which is the the same resolution as the as the big iPad, but in in the physical size of the smaller iPad. Mm-hmm. So we got the physical size; it is pretty small, but it's not the same resolution. It's smaller, so. The the full 12.9 iPad Pro has got this massive 2732 by 2048 resolution, whereas this 10.5 one has only got 2224 by 1668. So and what does that mean? Well, what it what it really means in practice, it's a it's a 508 by 380 difference. But what it means in practice is that when you're using two apps side by side in split screen mode, on the big iPad they are full iPad style apps. Uh, I think they're called standard size class or something like that anyway. But this, they look like two full iPad apps. Whereas on the 10.5, 
they they look like um, iPhone apps. Like they're the it's called the compact size class, and that's what you get now on a, on a nine point five um, sorry on a, on a nine point seven iPad today, like my iPad Air two or the current Pro. That's what you get now. You get this. Um, so if you've got a two pane app that you're using on an iPad, when you use it in this mode you'd get one of those panes only and it looks a bit like an iPad uh, sorry like an iPhone and things like the um a lot of the navigation controls go to the bottom of the screen in a little tab bar instead of being um more more obviously available on the screen so that's a, it seems a little bit more cramped a little bit more squeezed I don't, I don't know what I, f- I don't quite know what I think about that yet I've got to now try them I've got to try them side by side in a shop and see see what difference that makes I know on a 9.7 if you've got two apps side by side in 50/50 mode and you bring up the on-screen keyboard, it's hard to use, there's no doubt. Those two little app spaces you get are cramped. It's like sort of wallpaper in your hall through your letterbox, is the phrase I've heard. It's like that. So if the 10.5 makes it a bit more usable, there is a bit more breathing room. I think that's probably still the one to go for. But if it does still feel cramped, I think I might be tempted to go for the for the 12.9 after all. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, back to the back to the story then. So back to Britain's prices for these. So... The, um, the Wi-Fi models are the cheapest ones you can get. So the, the 64 gigabyte one is going to be £639. But then the 256, which I think is a sweet spot for most people, is going to be 709 And then you can get the 512 gigabyte one for 889 And then if you want to go cellular as well, then you have to add £130 to those. And if you want to go up to the 12.9, you have to add another 150. So it soon starts to, to ramp up. So the lowest the lowest iPad Pro you can get with all this power is 639 for the 10.5 Wi-Fi only 64 gig. And the highest price is now uh, £1,169 for an iPad. Oh, that's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So you're getting like half a gigabyte of RAM and you're getting, uh, you know, a cellular and a 12.9 screen. But still, that's um, definitely MacBook Pro type pricing, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. But, but the, you know they have updated all the all the other specs on it, like the camera and yeah, it's all it's all gone uh, all gone up a bit. The Apple Pencil didn't get updated, but they did uh, improve the Apple Pencil experience because um, the, both these iPads have got uh, what they call Pro Motion technology. You have to capitalise the M, otherwise it looks like promotion. Promotion, <laughs> <laughs> and it basically makes the the pencil feel more responsive because it's basically faster refresh rates. The, the screen now refreshes up. Up to 120 hertz, which people have said even scrolling looks like you're scrolling like real text on real paper. It's, there's no flicker, no no inertia movement at all. It's perfect, but it makes the pencil feel more responsive. And they reckon it's down to 20 milliseconds, 20 milliseconds of latency now, which, which is one the, less, yeah. one less than Microsoft's. Yeah, take that, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they've also got clever intelligence as well to save your battery. So when you don't need 120 hertz of refresh on your screen, when you're only looking at a still picture or something like that, it cranks it way back down. I think it might even go to 48 hertz or even 24 hertz. I can't remember now. So it saves your battery. It's all intelligent. And um, those prices I went through, if they're, if they're not, if that's not enough money to spend, you might want to consider some accessories. <laughs> so <laughs> they've brought out a new leather sleeve, which looks very nice, but all it is is a sleeve with a little um, slot at the top for your pencil as well. And it's in leather only, and it's £129. Mm. Oh, blimey. <laughs> it, I mean, it, looks, it looks class, but that's a lot of money. That's the next one I like. More. Yeah, a separate so-called Apple pencil case, which is just a tube, <laughs> a tube of leather into which you insert your pencil. £29. And it doesn't even affix to anything. It's just no, stuck no, in your pocket goodness. or whatever. It's, it's, a ho- it's a holster. 
Yeah. It's mad. And then you've got the smart cover, which is a bit irritating that they don't do smart cases anymore, because I don't know about you, but I, I like to protect the back of my iPad as well as the front, whereas the covers only cover the screen, which is a bit annoying. So you'd spend £49 on one of those. Or you can go for the keyboard, the smart keyboard, which looks very nice, but it's, uh, it's 159 for the 10.5-inch one. Or you can go for, for Logitech. They've just announced... Um, a new slim type keyboard, which has got backlit keys, full size. It's got a function row key. It's detachable. It's got a kickstand. It protects the back and the front. And, and it's actually cheaper than the Apple keyboard as well. So that's worth a look, I think. Yeah, it's, it's always good. Look, iPad, they have like third party uh, developers and manufacturers. They always come out of a, a plethora of different keyboards and stuff. So okay, yeah. you can go the Apple route, but you can also go. There's also cheap alternatives out there if yeah. you want to go that way as well. But a, lick, a little dicky bird called Twitter told me that Don's Don's ordered one. Is that right, Don? <laughs> That's right. Actually, the, um, the I ordered the smart cover to go with it as well. I was surprised ah. at the back case, but I've got the smart cover. The smart cover arrived today. Ooh. I actually uh, put it up against my 9.7, and it's surprising just how little difference there are between yeah. both devices. It's literally, you know, a quarter of an inch all ra- all the way around. It's it's it's. Very minimal, the, the physical change in, in dimensions, but of course the, the screen's a lot bigger because of the reduced bezels. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, I decided, I wanted to try out the, I mean, I, I've, I've got both the 9.7 and the 12.9, and I, I tend to use the 9.7 more, if I'm honest, um, especially if I'm traveling, that'll I'd sort of never take the, the, the 12 out with me because it's, it's just, it's just too big and unwieldy. It's really, it's a, it's a delight to use. It's, it's really nice. Mm. Uh, and in a home, it's great, you know, if, uh, if, if I just want to sort of, uh, surf in front of the TV or whatever. It's it's a it's a great device, but the nine seven after using the twelve always seems a little bit on the small size. So the the ten point five with the larger screen hopefully will be you know uh, portable enough. Plus the screen's going to be large enough. It's a bit disappointment about the um, you know about the, the the resolution changes. Yeah, um, but um, I don't know. It might be better on the big screen. Yeah, we, we we were all anticipating that it would have an identical resolution to the twelve point nine, and the trade off would be that all the assets would be a bit reduced, and it would look a bit like a Mac Mini, like two Mac Minis side by side. But they chose not to do that, so all the all the assets are the same size, aren't they? All the icons are the same size, the text is the same size, but consequently you get less of it on that screen, unfortunately. Now this comes out uh, not not this Friday, next Friday. But I've just checked on the store, and it, unlike other things, once they're announced, it's not sold out at the moment. So you might be able to go and do some hands-on stuff, Alan, before, yeah, you know, as you say, and still walk out with one. That's right. I checked again on the store this morning, and I've still got one in my basket, and it still says uh, five days before dispatch, I think it says. But mm-hmm. I think I do want to go into uh, either the Apple Store or, or John Lewis and play with play with it, I think, before I make my decision. Yeah, absolutely. No point getting something you don't particularly want. I mean, I got, I got the huge one, and I've used it more and more recently. Uh, and with the new upcoming update, I'm going to use it a lot more after that, I know. Um, now, if I can just work out a way for me to record my show on it, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I don't need anything else, which is a shame. Because after, <laughs> after the new iPad, we got some other announcements. And it's been a while. Everyone's been slagging off Apple, saying you don't take care of the app. You know, you don't care about the Mac anymore. You're forgetting the Mac. And I think they proved them wrong this time hmm. with, with the updates that they announced. So basically, anything, everything is getting an update, pretty much, apart from Mac minis. <laughs> Mac Pros. <laughs> oh, Mac Pros. <laughs> well, them as well. But yeah. they're coming yeah, next yeah, year, yeah, mate. Yeah. 
<laughs> but even the even the poor old MacBook Air is getting a slight bump, although not a very big one. But everything else is getting KB Lake pro- processors and up to fifty percent faster SSDs. Uh, so the MacBook again, the MacBook Pro, I think had a slight price drop, so that now brings it. MacBook Pro 13 without Touch Bar now drops to the same price uh, as a regular MacBook. It feels weird saying that, <laughs> but so they're now going for one thousand two hundred forty-nine quid each. Mm. They, um, they reduced the SSD on that though. That was a bit of a sneaky move. They reduced the price and told us about that. They didn't say that they'd only made it one hundred and twenty-eight gig of uh, storage as well. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's sneaky. Yeah, that one got past me. I think it's probably just like meant to be an entry model for the likes of, I don't know, schools or colleges or something like that. Yeah, true. But uh, yeah, so they've been updated. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how many. I haven't seen many reports about pe- people being upset about it, to tell you the truth. You know, because they've just bought their MacBook Pros about, what, four months ago or whatever? <laughs> yes. Uh, and they suddenly got an update. But it doesn't make their old MacBooks any, any you know, less valuable. But okay, but whatever. But then we moved on to iMacs. Uh, new, we get a new iMac, so it stated that they are now 500 nits. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, so they are the brightest displays ever on a Mac, apparently, and some impressive spec bumps as well. Uh, they're also gonna, you can now choose to have them shipped with a new Magic Keyboard, which is Bluetooth and has the full-size number pad on the edge as well. And these are the ones that they're sort of pimping for the VR stuff uh, that we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. as well. So... So the starting prices are 21.5 inch iMac is now starts at 1049 quid 21.5 4K retina display it now starts at 1249 and the one I'm interested in 27 inch iMac 5K starts at 1749 quid and I put in an application to see if I can buy one I'm just waiting to hear back <laughs> and they get they get USB-C and uh, Thunderbolt 3 as well don't they two ports yeah yeah I mean uh, it's a lot of money. I'm not crazy. I know if I wanted to build my own PC, I could do it for a lot cheaper than that. But just the longevity of this Mac in front of me that I've been using now since 2011, 2010, I'm not sure what it is. I'll just quickly check on about, about this Mac. And it says, where's the thing? Oh, uh, mid-2011. So I've been using it for six years now. Mm. And it's never, never given me an issue, apart from that one time I put dodgy memory in it. Hmm. But uh, yeah. And I'm, whatever I get, I'm definitely getting SSD in it because it's transformed the way I use machines now. I yeah. can't go back to spinning drives, even if they're hybrids. The um, the memory on these, by the way, is sealed in now, isn't it? It's not. It might not be soldered apparently, but it's you can't get to it anymore. Oh, no really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was looking. I was looking for that information, so I'm going to have to go for sixteen. 16 gig then. Yeah, and it is premium pricing for the extra RAM from Apple, unfortunately. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, well. Anyway, that's the one I was interested in, so that got me covered. Uh, and then they they didn't make it available. It's coming in December, but oh my God, what a beast. <laughs> the iMac Pro. <laughs> Who the hell is going to buy this? I wish I knew them. Um, so they announced the iMac Pro, an all-in-one desktop aimed squarely at professionals. Uh, the iMac Pro will come in options for 8, 10, or even 18-core Intel Xeon processors. I, I, it's also going to feature AMD's upcoming Radeon Vega graphics processors, offering up to 16 gigabytes of video memory. Uh, these graphics cards will be added to deliver up to 11 teraflops. Getting into stuff I don't even 
recognized now. Teraflops of single precision compute power or 22 teraflops of half precision compute power. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it means you get the smoothest scrolling in Twitter you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to run Chrome on it. <laughs> um, um, allowed configurations are up to 128 gig. Oh my god, uh, of memory as well as solid state drives of up to four terabytes with three gigabytes storage in. And oh my god, it's just ridiculous. Uh, we'll have four Thunderbolt three ports along with a standard array of USB A. Oh, that's nice. And along with 10 gigabit Ethernet, the it will start for five thousand dollars and will begin to ship in. December 2017. I can't wait for this to appear in the store and I can spec it out to the max and see what it comes to. Yeah, they've not announced the UK pricing yet, have they? I don't think. No. No, so it's going to be pretty... It's going to be close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think what's happened here is this this was going to be the new Mac Pro and... uh, they, they, you know, with the announcement a few months ago, that they sort of realised that well, although we've got the iPad, iMac Pro coming up, it's it's not going to be enough to placate people's wishes. So they've they've gone back to the drawing board for the Mac Pro. So we'll see that next year or the year after. But I mean, yeah. it is an, one impressive machine. <laughs> it's weird though. I can't imagine what they'd be able to do now for Pro because this seems like outlandishly powerful. I don't think it's the power so much. I think it's its modularity. It's the oh. the ability to either upgrade or to add on or to, you know, extend. Whereas this, you know, again, people have said, I've seen lots of comments, it's a fantastic machine, but again, you're locked into it. It's, mm. it's you know, you, you can't upgrade it. Everything's external and, um, you know, it would work, but people want modularity. So I think yeah. the new Mac Pro is going to be much more modular. You know, people have been saying as well, you know, the price of these things, um, imagine what the real Mac Pro is going to cost. But I was thinking, <laughs> it, it, conceivably, it could be cheaper, couldn't it? Cause, Possibly, yeah. You know, it could be just a box with slots. Uh, it doesn't have to have a screen, for example. So, um, you know, arguably it might even be a cheaper option, but then you, you pimp it out with your own I, cards. I, I love your optimism, Alan. <laughs> and don't forget, this includes, the, uh, this includes the display as well. Exactly, the yeah. Mac Pros, although they are touting possibly an 8K Thunderbolt display, which will be... Uh, Rather yeah. tasty. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. One thing you didn't mention, Carl, is the space grayness of it all. It's, oh, yeah. Even the accessories, the keyboard, the, the magic mouse, the magic uh, trackpad, all this beautiful space gray color. It does look like uh, Darth Vader's yes. iMac, basically. <laughs> yeah. And you can only get it if you buy the Mac Pro, iMac Pro. Yep. Although some third parties are bound to copy it. <laughs> Guarantee that. Yeah. Oh, do you know one thing that was uh, conspicuous by its absence in all this talk about iMacs was um, no mention of Touch Bar keyboard. Yes. At all. Yeah. Did, in fact, Touch Bar didn't even get a mention when they were talking about the um, the MacBook Pros, other than it being mentioned on the slide. So, should that concern us? Well, you'd have thought that some aspect of um, macOS High Sierra would have been improved Touch Bar support, but they didn't didn't mention it at all. Well, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, um, my surprise that it wasn't announced. And someone, someone said, yeah, well, that's, you know, they've, they've, they've announced a new range of Macs. So everyone will buy those. And then 12 months later, they'll bring out the, 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 uh, the keyboard. So everyone else will buy the keyboard then. Oh, yeah. so, so there's no point including it with the, with the new Macs because they'll just get included as part of the, uh, you know, the, the purchase. Right. See, we're, we're on to you, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, we had a new a new entry, the HomePod. So this has been rumoured about for ages, called the Siri Home or the Siri Speaker. We now know it's going to be called the HomePod. And it's this little 7-inch round speaker. 
with grills all around the side of it and a Siri display on top, although it just doesn't display anything. It just glows pretty colours, as far as I can tell. And this is basically a, a combination of, it seems to me, of a Sonos speaker and Amazon Echo. And it's going to come out later in the year, and it's going to cost $350. And it's going to be tied in, you know, obviously with Siri and obviously Apple Music. And it's it, it looks interesting, and it looks, you know, fantastic. I'll probably be getting one. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot, but uh, it's it's it's. Good. I think it might struggle to find its place in in this market because I don't know. Maybe if you're a, a Sonos um, purchaser and it's just the music you want, but then the Sonos via Sonos it allows you to access all kinds of different music services. This just seems to be specifically tied to Apple Music at the moment, anyway. Mm. I think the issue as well is that if you're into Sonos, you've, you've probably already invested a lot in Sonos. Well, that's true. Um, I mean, I know I've got three or four Sonos speakers, and uh, I'm quite happy with it, although I have been waiting for the Echo integration because I, I do find yeah. it, now that I've got the Echo, you know, it's so easy to play music using voice on the Echo. Um, and this year we are supposed to be getting Echo Sonos integration, and I've been yes. really looking forward to that. Uh, of course, this would negate that but again if you've got you know five or six sonos speakers already dotted around the house you're not really going to replace them with with the apple stuff at least not in one fell swoop um so it's although again it might be that i mean sonos is a high-end brand and and they're quite expensive so not everyone has actually gone in for for sonos so this although it's coming in it's still quite expensive i don't think it's for the end when you look at the cutaway when you look at the actual spec of the home pod there's an awful lot of engineering and there's some high quality stuff in there um, I think it's going to sound amazing. So, you know, mm-hmm. people might just buy the one, get used to it, and then slowly build up, you know, if they haven't already invested in Sonos and, and build it up that way. It's yeah. one of those hard ones, things that's hard to try, hard to test because as far as I can tell, only a few guys in the press corps over there got mm-hmm. to see or hear it properly, and, and they were under controlled conditions. So, again, it's, it's kind of wait and see. And we're not going to know until we get into our, our own homes exactly how it sounds because you know as i was demonstrating in their demo all that technology about how it bounces off the walls and separates the audio and stuff we are not going to know that until we get it into our own homes and, yeah. and see how it plays out so as long as they got a good returns policy <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'll be great and all that um that sound uh, engineering stuff is, is going to be software based from now on as they got till december to tweak mm. that and, and perfect it so but as, as don says hopefully in that time because we've been promised it forever the uh, Echo and Sonos integration will come along. And there and Sonos don't want to only do it with Echo, they want to do it with Google Home as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. they could if they could if they if they pull it off correctly, they could turn their okay, dumb kind of speakers into smart speakers just because they, they hook up with much cheaper devices in the home mm-hmm. and the echo. Well, that, that's the only reason I could think of. I haven't seen this presentation. It's the only reason I could think of them even mentioning this product at this time because there's nothing in it for developers. There was no talk about yeah, you know right. Siri, Siri kit extensions for it or apps for it or anything like that. It hasn't got a camera, hasn't got a screen. It's not really um, primarily one of these intelligent home assistant things. It isn't really that. What it is is um, a Sonos-like premium audio device mm-hmm. that's that's voice controlled. And if they're thinking, well, you know, before we get this thing out. Amazon, uh, sorry, Sonos are going to release a, fu- a fully pimped up Alexa inside one of theirs and a Google Home inside one of theirs. We've got to tell the world about this now and prevent sales of that thing, <laughs> make people wait for hours. Because otherwise, why, why even mention this? But I, well, it's this, not, but I think for Sonos, isn't going to come within the actual speaker itself. It's going to allow you to connect the two together. Mm. 
So that's, yes, yes. Yeah. So that's going to be even more interesting, I think, because because I I I find I think it's going to be a hard sell for them. Is what I'm saying, even though they've already sold one. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I mean I do like uh, my music and I do like high high quality sound so it's it's probably right up my street but I didn't didn't really care much for the industrial design of it it looked a bit ugly I thought really to be honest and it's apparently covered in cloth or, or, or fabric no. of some sort well uh, well um, someone tweeted no that's not the case it's actually grid yeah I've seen um, both sides of that but people are arguing back and forth on it and some people are saying it's like a 3d printed plastic like thing and some people are saying no it is audio speaker fabric basically oh. in which case it's it's not going to last long in my kitchen i saw lots of uh, of twitter pictures of cats clawing them like <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit expensive to do that you know mm-hmm. oh well what well, a price is sort of kind of puts it in a a, a mid-range you know speaker because the play sonos play 3 is 300 quid but you know, I don't know. It's all the other functions that they got in. But it was interesting. Mm. It'll be interesting. So we've now finally got it. We can stop all those rumours at last mm. anyway. So there's yeah. one. one and clearly, um, I mean, Siri isn't ready yet, is it, for big time? Uh, but but all that is going to be software as well. So this thing is, they've got the hardware design done. They've got the woofer, sort of four-inch woofer in the middle of it. They've got these seven tweeters and all that audio processing. It's all hardware. All the chips are in there, all, all done. But they can tweak the software to their heart's mm. content. So I expect that that intelligent home assistant Siri side of it will develop over these coming months and maybe they'll have a lot more to tell in the September event. Indeed, indeed. Uh, one last quick story. Uh, today, or yesterday actually, I think Planet the Apps was finally available on Apple Music and I had a quick watch of it this morning and it is not, it's not as shocking as I thought it was going to be, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I was quite entertained. I'm quite, I've, got a, I've got more sympathy now for developers than I've ever had before. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I watched it this morning after you uh, sent a message saying it's there. I, I spent an hour, and it was enjoyable, no doubt. It really was enjoyable. Yeah, it's 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 gonna we're gonna anyone can watch this at the moment because the first episode is free on Apple Music. Um, I guess that's how you get to it. But um, it'll be interesting. I did tweet out the fact that I did I was in, I did enjoy it, and I got a response from Gary Vaynerchuk. Believe it or not, he sent me a smiley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to make, make of that, but there you go. Good stuff. Anyway, yeah, but go and check it out, and, and, and we'll talk about that more next week, I'm sure. So I think that's pretty much it. So final thoughts on the keynote itself, Alan? Well, I, I really enjoyed it, and I think it, despite what a lot of the critics are saying, I think it is the best WWDC there's been, really. It was packed, so packed. I, I really thought it was a great, a great keynote. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Don, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was, I was a little bit... Um... I, th- I thought the the initial iOS presentation was a bit lacking because it didn't have any love for the iPad. But then when the iPad session came around, it all you know that was that was it. They redeemed themselves completely. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, getting iOS 11 on the iPad in its fully released form and um, just playing with it a lot more. I think it's going to be quite a game changer for the iPad. Indeed, indeed. I enjoyed it myself. I'm looking forward to uh, getting my hands on these things. I, the only one I'm going to be able to do uh, is the public beta on mm-hmm. on my old iPad Mini, which is not going to have access to much of the new flashy stuff, unfortunately. But I, I can't. I'm not brave enough to turn my phone over to to beta. No. no, you don't want to do that. At least no. not for the first two months. Exactly. Um, when it when it gets to like August or so, it's it's. It's normally okay. It can be a bit flaky, but it, it's so frustrating though when you've got you've got you, you know what it's supposed to do, and you know it's 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 buggy, and you don't want that on your on your your primary phone. Definitely not. No, no. I'll use my iPad. I think. Did you see that Apple TV is going on to the public beta program for the first time as well? Oh right. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Wonder what I can mean. <laughs> it's always reading the tea leaves when it comes to Apple. They do one move, and you think, "Well, what does that mean?" Further yes. down the line, that's 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 the fun. Well, I think that's pretty much it. We've run pretty long this time on on this show. Hopefully, you'll forgive us for that if you're still listening. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much it. Had no reviews this week, but don't worry about it because uh, we run long anyway. So I'm not going to labash you about that. Uh, thank you very much, all our patron subscribers. Uh, it's greatly appreciated to keep the show running. If you want to follow the link in the show description to uh, help us keep going, we greatly appreciate any coinage you could send our way. And I think that's pretty much it for this week. So all that's left is where can I get hold of you wonderful gentlemen out there? Alan, where can we get hold of you, sir? Well, mostly on Twitter or um, Google+, Plus, if anyone still uses that. And I'm uh, Storm Gorelli on both places. Stuff, sir. And Don... Um, you can find my stuff over at screencastonline.com and you can also find me on the App Store. Uh, we have the Screencast Online monthly magazine and if you're not a member and you want to have a look at some of the tutorials or perhaps purchase individual tutorials, there's an app called the SEO Showcase app and you can find me on Twitter just as Don McAllister. Good stuff, sir. And when will you start working on screencasts for this iOS 11 stuff? I t- to be honest, I try and leave. I mean, there's loads of preview stuff out there now. Um, you know, as soon as it comes out, people go mad and start demonstrating the stuff. I like to leave it until it's sort of settled down. We know pretty much that all the features are, are in place. But I won't actually release anything to do with the new releases until um, they are actually released to the public. So it will be, um, you know, late August, early September before um, I'll, I'll start working on those those shows but the, the benefit is by then i've been using it day in day out so i'm very familiar with it good stuff don's got a similar philosophy to apple it doesn't have to be first but it has to be best yeah. <laughs> and that's it's one way of putting it. i'm going to write that down <laughs> <laughs> my name's carl man you get hold of me on twitter at clause one you get hold of the show at mac and forth you can email us if you so wish mac and forth at gmail.com we're also on facebook and over there on g plus and that's pretty much it this week please if you want to send us your thoughts on what you saw at wwdc anything you didn't like or anything you liked you know, greatly we'd love to hear from you and we'll probably go into some more in-depth stuff next week as well when when people have had a, t- a moment to gestate over what they've seen and i believe we're going to try and get dean on as well next week because he was actually over there he wasn't actually at wwdc but he was over there and he's been playing around with the betas and, and, and things like this so we'll see what he thinks of it so that's pretty much it until next time stay safe and be nice to each other bye bye bye, bye.